The Claude 3 model family by Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. Haiku is lightning fast and cost-effective. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Learn more at anthropic.com slash Claude. Welcome to Tech News Briefing. It's Friday, February 23rd. I'm Alex Osola for The Wall Street Journal. Coming up on today's show, a growing number of startups are storing energy as heat in big blocks of carbon, bricks, and salt. WSJ climate finance reporter Amrit Ramkumar tells us why that could have a big impact on global emissions. And then, Elon Musk's SpaceX has long had a relationship with U.S. national security agencies. Now it's becoming the go-to contractor to get satellites into space quickly. We'll hear from WSJ reporter Drew Fitzgerald about what that means for the future of SpaceX's business and its competitors. But first, to make things like steel and cement, factories need to work at really high temperatures. And that requires a lot of energy. Industrial heat accounts for roughly 10% of greenhouse gas emissions. Now, the growing field of thermal batteries promises to help companies replace fossil fuels with green energy, and investments are heating up. WSJ climate finance reporter Amrith Ramkumar joins me now with more. Amrith, what is a heat battery and how does it work? The best way to think about a heat battery is like a giant toaster. So it's basically an enormous one, roughly the size of a shipping container. And what the companies try to do is they take low-cost renewable power and they run it through typically a heating element similar to a toaster coil, and that makes a cheap material really hot. So that material could be carbon blocks, it could be clay bricks, it could be molten salt, whatever the material it is, it gets really, really hot. And so then they use that to heat up the rest of the battery, and then that can discharge heat or steam on demand. Renewable energy itself and typical batteries can't reach those high temperatures and they can't maintain them. That's why heat batteries are really important right now. So if they're able to scale up, what would the impact be? The impact would be huge if heat batteries can succeed, like these startups are saying. Industrial heat is something like 10% of all global emissions and something like 20% of all global energy use. So again, heat itself is such a big problem when you think about lowering emissions. And we're still going to use huge amounts of steel, cement, and all of these materials in the future. So you really do need to find a way to reduce the emissions. And we're not just going to be able to offset these emissions by using carbon removal or other things in 2035 or 2040 or 2050. So something that can be deployed today in the next few years at large scales could be a real game changer for a lot of these industries. Back to the heat batteries. Using electricity to generate heat is nothing new. Like you said, toasters do it. What is different about this technology? The trick here is really that material that can store the heat and discharge it on demand. So one company called Antora Energy that just raised a lot of money from BlackRock and other big name companies and investors, their secret is that they use carbon blocks as that material. So those get really hot and then they glow red like you would see in a toaster or an electric stove. And then they use the light from those carbon blocks to heat up the rest of the battery. So that's really important because a lot of other companies have to use fluid or air. They have to pump that through the entire system. And that's pretty complicated and expensive. So Antora says their sort of breakthrough is using the light from those blocks. So that heats up everything else. And we're talking about temperatures as high as about 2,750 degrees Fahrenheit. And that's more than a quarter (laughs) of the sun's surface temperature. And you might ask, why can't we just use like regular lithium-ion batteries 
uh, as you might know, those can explode or catch fire at like a few hundred degrees Fahrenheit. Who are some of the big players in this field? You mentioned Antora. Is there anyone else that we should know? Another one that's really coming on strong is called Rondo Energy. So both of those companies are funded by Bill Gates' Breakthrough Energy Ventures, which funds pretty much all promising clean energy areas. And so they've made a big bet on heat batteries. And then there are a lot of other companies based overseas. Where is this field headed in the next few years? What can we expect to see? You can really expect to see this sort of global race to perfect this technology in the next few years. Companies are trying to figure out what the best schematic is and what the best materials are and how it can scale. Scaling will require making a lot of these systems and rolling out manufacturing, which is often really hard to do for startups. The companies that can grow their manufacturing and prove that these work at a large scale for making steel, cement, and some of these really hard to decarbonize industries, those will be the first ones to succeed. That was The Journal's climate finance reporter, Amrit Ramkumar. Coming up, why SpaceX expanded a secretive satellite program with one customer in mind. That's after the break. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. SpaceX has made a name for itself launching lots of big rockets. Shortly after Elon Musk founded the company in 2002, it won a launch contract with an undisclosed U.S. intelligence customer. Now, as its business has grown, SpaceX is deepening its relationship with U.S. intelligence and military agencies. In 2021, the company entered into a $1.8 billion classified contract with the U.S. government, and it's creating new programs with national security customers in mind. WSJ reporter Drew Fitzgerald is here now to tell us what that means for the future of SpaceX's business. Drew, what has the relationship been between SpaceX and the U.S. government? The relationship is a complicated one. Elon Musk started SpaceX more than 20 years ago as this small, no-frills startup that promised to launch things into space much more quickly and cheaply than the big defense contractors could. And it didn't take long for the company to rack up a bunch of new contracts to launch things into space. And fast forward to today, and for certain services, SpaceX has been so successful that it's in many ways the only game in town for certain launch services. And as SpaceX's Starlink broadband service grows, it has really dominated the market for communicating to and from space. So it's really a double-edged sword for a lot of people in government that have benefited from a lot of SpaceX's success and are also getting a bit wary of its dominance of many of these markets. Okay, so SpaceX is deepening its ties with U.S. intelligence and military agencies. What do we know about these classified contracts? We don't know about every government contract with SpaceX or any of these other defense contractors, but we do know that a big one was signed in 2021 for about $1.8 billion. It's a classified program, and it's the kind of thing that really help these contractors stay in business. There are also smaller contracts, like a $70 million one-year contract that Starshield signed last year. 
And there are many, many op- other opportunities for SpaceX and Starlink and Starshield to get a piece of the growing government business that is on the table. What is SpaceX's newest program, Starshield? What do we know about it? Well, we don't know very much, but we do know Starshield is meant for government customers. It's designed and tooled for national security missions. It looks like Starlink in a lot of ways, in that it is a program that depends on launching many, many satellites, hundreds or even thousands of satellites into orbit above the Earth, so that there is constant coverage of any given point on Earth. Now, for Starlink, what customers get out of that is broadband service that is relatively affordable and much more powerful than the satellite internet service that has been available to people in the past. For Starshield, it's a little bit less clear what those satellites will do. But some of the things that the satellites could do would include being able to act as a communications network for civilian and military government clients. And it could do a whole lot of other things. Now, there's a little bit of a blurred line between Starshield as the service is being marketed to government clients and the Starshield program, which within SpaceX is a broader program that is really tooled to serving government clients at all levels. What has SpaceX said about its relationship with the U.S. military and intelligence organizations? SpaceX says very little about its relationship with the government. The president of SpaceX, Gwynne Shotwell, who is widely seen as a very powerful force in running that business, said publicly last year that she tends to zip it when she's asked about the relationship the company has with the intelligence community. But she hinted that it is very close. Looking towards the future, what does a deepening relationship between SpaceX and the government tell us about SpaceX's business? SpaceX is a fast-growing business. It's also a very expensive business to run. These launches cost a lot of money, even though by historical standards, they've brought the price to customers way down. SpaceX is growing as fast as it can by using its Starlink business to gain internet subscribers and by charging other space companies, NASA, and the military for their payloads to be launched into space. It's still not clear that SpaceX is on the right trajectory to become a truly profitable business. By gaining more government contracts, that would go a long way to making SpaceX a sustainable business well into the future. That was our reporter, Drew Fitzgerald. And that's it for Tech News Briefing. Today's show was produced by Julie Chang. I'm your host, Alex Osula. Jessica Fenton and Michael Laval wrote our theme music. Our supervising producer is Catherine Millsop. Our development producer is Aisha Al-Muslim. Scott Salloway and Chris Zinsley are the deputy editors, and Falana Patterson is the Wall Street Journal's head of news audio. We'll be back this afternoon with our TNB Tech Minute. Thanks for listening. The Claude 3 model family by Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. Haiku is lightning fast and cost-effective. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Learn more at anthropic.com slash Claude.